Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? Thanks for your enthusiasm. So glad you're here. It's been an incredible morning. It just keeps going. Uh, for our guests, I know we have a lot of guests today. Uh, I'm Dave, and I get to pastor this wonderful group of Christ followers. Awesome. Amen. So I, I, was, uh, I was baptized in a small church in uh, New York. It was in the suburbs, a place called Suffolk County, Long Island, East Islip to be exact. It was a very meaningful time for me. Uh, there were a group of people who uh, introduced me, who had introduced me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and they themselves had experienced the love of God. And in turn, they loved God. And as a result of that, they loved others. They put their love into action. Made an incredible impression on my life. I mean, uh, sadly, you know, uh, by the time I probably hit 18, I, I turned away from the faith. I went on to live a, a different way. Uh, even ironically at times where you might even classify me as an atheist. There are two things that, that I couldn't put off of myself, that, I, that I, I couldn't escape from, if you will, uh, you know, intellectually or emotionally. One was the way those people loved me, and two was my baptism. And, and what was happening in me in that moment and the reality uh, of my baptism. And that's what we're talking about in that tank, that this is their moment, you know, a moment that will never leave them, that will resonate in their soul, that pain, difficulty, challenges, doubt, uncertainty. In the midst of all that, they would remember they were baptized and they professed their faith in Jesus Christ. Yes? Yes. All right. <laughs> Listen. And that's for them, not for me. Okay, a little bit for me, mostly for them. Look, but, but those people, they took me into their homes. They, they cared for me. They fed me. And, 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 you know, it was a process, you know, meaning, meaning they met me where I was. Literally, they met me where I was. Now, in the first week of this series, we taught about, we taught from Matthew 7, where Jesus talked about do not judge. Don't judge. And that's what the religious leaders were teaching people. Well, they were teaching them a standard of righteousness that was ungodly, unholy. They had taken God's righteous standard and added man-made things to it, right? Rules, traditions, ways, how many steps they could take on a holy day, whether, what they could do, looking in a mirror, not looking in a mirror, and other things. To some degree, in different ways, we still do that. You know, as a church, as people who profess faith in Jesus, we kind of put these obstacles in people's way of, of truly knowing God. We don't do it intentionally. But what they were doing was creating this unholy standard. And then when people would fail, and they always would fail, there's no way you could attain this standard. It was ungodly. They would then judge them, condemn them. They would criticize them. And they taught the people to have a critical spirit. They taught them to be religious. And God does not want religion from us. He wants relationship from us. Now, I'm grateful that God brought me into a group of people, that God brought them into my life, if you will, and they did not judge me. They did not have a critical spirit towards me. I would not have been able to endure that. And although they didn't judge me, in some ways, as I look back, they judged themselves by the way they lived and the way they lived their lives. See, in week two of this series, 
we taught Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, and where Jesus was saying, okay, I've told you not to judge others, but I'm not saying not to judge yourself. In fact, he actually gave us instructions on how to judge slash examine ourselves before God, how to humble ourselves. And he did that so we could aim higher, so we could see the bigger picture, so that we could go farther in life. I remember those people who introduced me to Jesus. They would not judge me. They would not have that critical spirit towards me. And yet, I could hear them talking, meaning the way they would articulate their faith and how they would describe the ebb and flow of their life and with faith in it, I'd hear them say things in describing their struggles and decisions they had to make, and they, would, they were talking as if they were kind of living out their life before God and examining themselves in light of God's, I guess, what God said, his truths. I'm thinking, but I'm attaching words to the way I was thinking. That's what they were doing. In a sense, they were judging themselves before God. They were examining themselves. Wow, what a concept to live out your life in consideration to what God thinks. Never even thought about that before. I didn't tell them that's what I was thinking, but that's what was happening. Now, today I want to jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. And those people, as I look back, I know they didn't judge me. I know they weren't critical towards me. I know that they gave me this example of themselves, that they themselves would kind of examine themselves before God to see if they were living in a righteous way before God. But I do think there was something else that they were doing that was very strategic and yet intentional when it came to ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to me, to, to seeing me come to know God. So let's read Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. It says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and turn and attack you. Wow, that's like, oh, you know, you got people, pearls, pigs. Ah, sounds a little messy, right? A little rough to read. Listen, you know, in Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 2, Jesus is saying, don't judge, right? Don't follow the standard that these people are saying. You have heard it said, but I say to you. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus goes on to talk about, you know, examining yourself, humbling yourself before God. Because why? Why does he say? Because truth matters, right? Because God, God does have a righteous standard. Although the Pharisees, the religious leaders, had concocted this warped, unholy standard. And the, the world and the culture around us, on the other hand, has really, as we talked about the first couple of weeks, they don't really have a standard. Standard is, uh, you know, really whatever floats your boat, whatever you think is truth is truth to you. And you are the author of what is right and wrong in your life. And that just sounds so intellectually smooth and, 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 and how would you say, um, invigorating, if you will. It even sounds intelligent in some ways, so philosophical. And yet at the same time, that really does not live out well at all. Sounds great, lives out poorly. That will hurt your relationships. That will destroy your relationships. And I know that, and I think many of you know that. But then we have God's righteous standard, the, the, the standard that brings life, the standard that brings peace, the standard that brings us joy. And, you know, they were aware of this. 
and, and they were aware of this standard, and yet, when I look back now, I think they were kind of strategic in how they brought it to me. You see, it made sense to Jesus' listeners when he said, don't throw pearls to pigs. You see, pigs were considered to be very unclean. I mean, they still are considered to be unclean, right? But you wouldn't take a pearl that was so valuable and kind of precious, especially in those days, and you wouldn't toss that value amongst pigs in the muck and the mire and the slop. And why? Well, because, because pigs can't discern. Pigs can't discern between a pearl and mud, between slop and a pearl. It's all the same to them. They would just trample on it like anything else, like it was a pebble, a rock, an old husk. Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7, 6, you need to discern the truth and what's sacred and what's holy. And you need to know that there is a standard of truth and that there also are lies. Now, Jesus isn't saying that the world and people are pigs. He's saying, spiritually speaking, the way they can see things are like a pig, where they don't understand the value between the pearl and the slop, meaning they don't understand the value of the spiritual truths that I've given you, you who know God. And, and often at times, it's not only they don't know that truth, but they might have even bought into and have embraced lies. And if you toss out these gems of truth, of, of my righteousness, they, might, they just might not get it. They, might, they just might not receive it. You know, they, they, they possibly, likely won't even recognize some of these truths. I'm not talking about Jesus, Son of God. I mean, there, there are, there's a spectrum of truth that we have that are necessary and powerful when it comes to living out our faith in God, when it comes to knowing God and loving God. And yet, taking that in, absorbing that is, is a process to different degrees for different people. And Jesus is saying, hey, discern when you're going to put this out and how you're going to put that out. You see, the scripture tells us to shine our light, right? If you've been around faith for a while, you, you've got this before. And I think we shine our light best when we lead with love, yes? I, when we discern how people could handle certain truths, what they can and cannot handle. I, I believe that's what these people did for me. When we don't expect people to change to God's righteousness before they've experienced God's love. Do you hear that? We don't expect people to change to God's law unless they have first experienced God's love. And ideally, they would experience God's love because we have experienced God's love, loved God, and now love them. And that's what I was getting from those people. Now, some of you think, oh, this could be abused. Listen, I'm just telling you truly how I see the scripture, what I've seen played out in my life, what I've seen played out in the church that I'm pastoring for seven years. I don't think that we are to be the church that goes out and tells the world about this moral code and that's how they come to know God. I don't, certainly don't think, which can be done, that we demand they live out this moral code and then they will know God's love. Morally speaking, I don't think we can expect the unredeemed to behave in a redeemed way. But we can be used by God to see them come to a place of knowing God's love. Sometimes, and I'm not here to knock you around here, but I'm, we're all in this together. But sometimes the church, what we could do is 
We give ourselves a lot of grace, and that's good. That's okay. But we give the world a lot of grief. And <laughs> we do. We do this. We think it's okay. We think it's cool. We might even call it witnessing, standing for our faith. But we shouldn't be giving the world grief. We should be giving the world love, yes? We should be giving the world love. Because God loved us and we love him and now we can love them. They need to see God. And, and in doing this, we, and, and that's where discernment comes in. See, Jesus has a love calling people pigs. He's, he loves people. He's patient. He's kind. He wants us to be that way. You see, we want to be discerning like those people that introduced me to the gospel. They were discerning. They began to look at me and see me and sense me and how much can he handle. You see, discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in thinking about truth. And it's also the ability to perceive and recognize something. I believe the people that shared the gospel with me for the first time were very discerning in both ways. They were always thinking about the truth. They were. I realize that more than ever. But they also were perceptive about what I can handle and what I could handle when I could, what I could in regards to their truth, God's righteousness. When they recognized my immaturity, my instability, huh? my insecurity, they were strategic. They were patient. They were yielded to God because he loved them. They loved him, and now they were going to love me and share with me the truths as they thought I could process it and handle it. Does that make sense to you? They did not force it on me. They did not shove it on me. Uh, yes, and yet everything they had was a gem. These were, this is God's truth. They were gems. They were treasures necessary and profitable for me to have in my life, for all of us to have in our lives. Eventually, they did introduce me to truths because they are valuable and they are necessary. They didn't judge me, though. They examined themselves, and they were discerning towards me. You see, Jesus didn't leave it at don't judge. He also talked about discernment. But he didn't just talk about discernment. He also talked about judgment. If Jesus talked only about discerning and not judging, then we'd wind up judging. If Jesus talked about only about judging and not discerning, well, then we'd only judge. There'd be no love. We'd have a critical spirit. So we're not like Jesus when we don't judge and don't discern. Try and follow me here. We're not like Jesus when we do discern and we do judge. We are like Jesus when we don't judge but we do discern. Yeah? And that's what Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Verse chapter 7, verse 6. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11... Jesus now talks about praying to God, knocking on doors, what a parent, you know, what, comparing what God would do for you to what a parent would do for you. And in this, he's introducing them to this incredible truth that God loves them as a father loves a child. God loves them and God loves you as a father loves a child. Even more than your father loves you, your heavenly father loves you created you, made you, delights in you, God loves you. 
I just want to put you, you need to let that settle in. That just needs to float your boat. When I say things like heaven, you'll hear me stop and say, it's just got to mean something to you. I mean, it's just, it's got to settle in. It, it's got to stir you inside. It is so critical for you to have that intellectual and emotional response to knowing heaven exists and eternity is within your grasp, that you have eternity, the promise of eternity. And then to also know that God loves you. It must stir you and uplift your soul. It must just simply become paramount in you this morning that whatever is taking place, whatever is going on, whatever is perceived, whatever is happening physically, emotionally, financially, that God loves you and that is above it all. God loves you. You must know this. You must embrace this today. And Jesus is saying, God loves you and you can trust God. And this is more important than anything else. When I was younger, I'm going to tell you why. It's just so critical and so important for all of you. When I was younger, I was in my, uh, probably in my 20s, I didn't think about getting married. Now, when I say I didn't think about getting married, I was protesting getting married. I did not want to get married. I had no desire to get married. I rejected the thought about getting married. Is that comprehensive enough? No, really, I, really, no, no macho here. I really did not want to. I mean, most married couples were unhappy. Uh, for, personally, for me, there was too much responsibility. I was allergic to responsibility in my late 20s. I couldn't even imagine be com being committed to anything, let alone another human being, right? And then at the age of 28, I met a young woman who changed my mind, right? Now it's true. Christy initially got my attention with her beauty. She's so attractive. What really captivated me was our conversations. And in those conversations where I began to glean into her, that she was such a genuine and sweet person, right? Unlike anyone I've ever met. And you, you know Christy, right? She's such a genuine and a sweet person. Is she not? Well, you have four people I think you're sweet and you're genuine, my dear. <laughs> five. Five. I'm five. Listen. Over time, guess what happened? I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her and I've stayed in love with her. Next thing you know, I'm driving hours and hours to see her. I'm driving eight, nine hours in snowstorms to see her. I'm spending hundreds of dollars to call and talk to her. This is 1993, man. It's like 28 cents a minute from New York to Rhode Island. No cell phones, no FaceTime. I'm sending her these precious little statues, precious moments every month, like that candy. They're like $75 to $100 a pop. <laughs> what happened? I changed. I changed. I experienced something that I have never experienced before. The love of my dear Christy. This sweet and genuine person began to love me, and it was changing me. Love makes you change, yes? It's the impact of love. It's what love does. It's what it was meant to do. If you fall in love, you make changes. You should make changes if you fall in love. I made changes when I fell in love with Christy. Though as I was falling in love with Christy, I had made another critical decision in my life. And I was living out from that decision about the same time. You see, prior to dating Christy, I had made the decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. 
And the greatest changes that were taking place in my life came as a result of that decision to follow Jesus. I had experienced the love of God. At 28 years old, I experienced the love of God. And I think that had also happened at 17 to 18. But this time, I then in turn began to love God. I don't think that had taken place for whatever reasons. I've not dissected it enough or I've tried to. But here now at 28, I'm experiencing the love of God once again. It's stirring me. It's awakening me. And now I feel this inspiration compelled to begin to love God. To love God more than myself, more than my very being. Forget about more than any habit. I mean, just more than anything else, I now want to love God. And literally even put a point of risking my life. I'm going to love God. That's how much I want to know God. And that began a path that set me on to love others. That's how I live my life. To love others. Why? Because God loved me. I love God and I love others. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus, you change yourself. Meaning when you come to faith in Jesus, you've done so because of the love of God. You now love God and from that love you begin to change. And to the depth of that love and the extent that you love God is to the extent that you're going to change. And to the extent that you're going to be living out these wonderful gems of truth and righteousness that God has for you. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. I don't think it's so much, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I don't think so. I think, hey, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Christian, man, if you love me, well, you know, I got a whole list, baby, right? <laughs> I mean, if you just love me, it's going to be so much easier to do this and to do that. Jesus said, if you love me, if you, it's just, you're going to want to do this. You're going to want to live by this righteous standard. You're going to want to live by these truths and these gems. Nothing's going to come close or compare to what I'm bringing into your life with these truths if you love me. John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You see? Yeah, it's going to cost you something, at least from our, our perspective is it costs us something. But really, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, <laughs> everything's rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and resurrection. It's, I count it all as garbage. It's, it's actually dung, I think, in some versions. Nothing compared to knowing Jesus. But, it's, it, but from our perspective, in present tense, yeah, it's, it's going to seem to cost you something. Because, you know, if it's not costing you anything, you just might not be following Jesus. Now, that, that's, that's a, um, a statement. I, I, I'm suggesting if you are following Jesus and it's not costing you anything, then you might not be following Jesus. You might not, God has loved you, but you might not be loving God. You might not be entering into that relationship as God intended. You might be kind of living in this kind of concocted standard down here somewhere between really uh, not so much no standard, but something, a standard that you've concocted, you know. Somewhere between God's standard and having no standard, you're sitting in the middle somewhere. And, and, and that's just contaminated. And it's so much less than what God has for you. You don't want to lower God's righteousness. You can't, but you don't want to live in something less. If there hasn't been any significant changes in your life, you just might not be following Jesus, you know. Meaning you not, might not be loving God as he intended you to love him. 
Because if you love him, you're going to change. If you love God, you're going to change. Do you know he loves you? Know this this morning. Jesus doesn't just tell the truth. Jesus is the truth, yes? Jesus doesn't just set the standard. Jesus is the standard. And Jesus just doesn't just love. Jesus is love, yes? Yes, he is. Jesus is love. He really is. He is. And when you put your trust in Jesus, you're putting your trust in love, in truth. Jesus is truth. So we don't, we don't change the truth. We change our lives to live the truth. We don't set the standard. The church doesn't set the standard. Government doesn't set the standard. Schools don't set the standard. Our culture doesn't set the standard. Jesus is the standard, and we live to the standard. We live for the standard. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he loves us. Because he gave a new teaching. You've heard it said, but I say to you. He gave a new law and a new way, and it's the law of love. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus says, do to others whatever you would have them do to you. See, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And pretty much what he's saying is here, all that you know about God and all that you understand, it's summarized in this, loving God and loving others. The law of love, which Jesus has introduced and has introduced to the universe, says you give more than you take. So the antithesis of, what, of, of, of the human being, of flesh, of survival of the fittest, of evolution. It's the antithesis to that. You give more than you take. The law of selfishness says you take more than you give. Huh? This, this, is, this happens to us more than we realize. If you really pause, you think how much of this really exists in your day-to-day -day life. How much it affects your relationship. How much does this exist to one extent or another really will speak to how healthy your relationships are. So when I take my kids into New York, I do it pretty much every other year. We did it last year. I think we're going to find it. We had so much fun last year. I think we're going to find a way to get in now again. But when we go in, it's something we always must do. And it's we got to get pizza. We've got to go and get pizza. And we usually visit minimum two pizza places and maybe as much as four pizza places, right? We just eat pizza, 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 pizza. Because I love pizza. Pizza's awesome. And, and I just can't get good pizza here. It is what it is, you know? <laughs> I mean, even Christy, the first time I, I introduced her to pizza, she's like, what's the big deal? And she's like, wow, this is just awesome pizza. This is great. And Christy really isn't like, you know, doesn't toss adjectives around lightly. She's like, wow, I, I get it. This is awesome pizza, you know? And you got it. That's right. And, and the thing with a pizza is when you go, uh, when you go to uh, get a pie, we'll, we'll go into like, let's say, I had some, did you have some? Oh, see, yeah. So that, that's what a, a beautiful pizza looks like. It is so attractive, is it not? I can tell by looking at a pizza how it's going to taste. I can. I can. I can taste it from a distance, if you will. And it'll, it'll either repulse me or attract me. And that's very attractive to me. And, and what happens is uh, we walk into, say, uh, you know, say Totone's, which is my favorite pizzeria, you know. It's, it's the longest active running pizzeria in the United States, right? And uh, I walk in, I go to the counter. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for weeks. 
uh, this moment. And I go up to get my pizza, and, and you know, they cut it in slices, right? Triangles, if you will. And, and they never cut it perfectly, and especially in Brooklyn. And, and there's, they're different sizes. Some are smaller, some are larger. And as I pick it up, I'm like, you know, I want the large one. I do. I want the large one. And, and not just the large one. I Generally, the large ones, but the ones where it's just right amount, the right amount of cheese and the balance of sauce, and the, the sauce is flowing through the cheese, and it's just been discolored a little bit to be orange, and you could just, oh, you, I just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then, and my kids go get the smaller ones. And then as I turn to walk to the table, a transformation starts to take place, and then I'm thinking maybe I won't take the largest one. I'll give more than I'll take. And I put it down. Within like seconds, they pounce on it, and it's just gone, and I'm left with the smallest stinking piece every single time. It's the truth. I'm not kidding you, you know. That's why we go to four pizzerias, so I can get something. And of course, it's $20 a pie, so we can only get so many pies, right? But listen, we want to join Jesus in this law of love to give more than we take in our homes in our relationships, with our spouses, just with people. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We give more than we take. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is one of the great changes God made in my life, that now I, Dave, would no longer just take more than I gave. I lived my life that way. But yet, when I experienced God's love, and then I loved God back at 28, then I so gladly, willingly wanted to now to love others, to consider others. When I tell you, when I, was, I had a hard time with this message. And I, I got up at like 2 in the morning, and I was really, with, by about like 4 o'clock, I'm thinking, whoa, it's, it's just not coming together. Don't say it never did come together. Behave yourself. <laughs> and at 4, it was somewhere like 4.30 or 5 o'clock, somebody sends me out a text, and, and I'm reading, I'm like, wow, it really touched me. It was a really a personal, encouraging text to me. Uh, you know, talking about me, thanking me for being a pastor. And it was so timely because I was really starting to get scattered, man, you know. And here they were giving more than they were taking. You can tell. I'm cool. I'm a pastor. I'm here to take. But how good that they were in that place, right? See, we give. We love. We care. It's what we do. It's who we are, right? And Jesus, sometimes we think we read this verse and we think Jesus is saying, don't start with yourself, start with others. Actually, Jesus wants us to start with ourselves. I started with myself. I want a bigger piece of pizza. I really do. Driving home, I think I wish I would have had a bigger piece of pizza. But I didn't get it, huh? But then I made the decision to give the larger pieces to my children. These carnivores. I can just, <laughs> my boys. I swear, Jason, can he not? This Jason, Jesus rips it down. Now, I, you know, when I, met, when I met Chrissy, I could eat a whole pie. You see that? I would eat one of them. I'm not kidding you. She would have like a slice or two, and I would sit there, and I'd order a whole pie for myself, and I'd rip it right down. I can't really do that anymore. It's just not healthy for me. But listen, give more than you take. Love is less emotion and more devotion. You hear me? Love is less emotion and more devotion. We're devoted as followers of Christ to giving more than we're taking. This morning, if you're in a relationship... Will you allow God? Will you know God's love? Will you know that God loves you? He does. God loves you. And would you right now be so committed and devoted to loving him? 
from the depth of your intellect to just from all that you are, from the depth of your soul to love God. And in that now, will you love others, beginning with your spouse, beginning with people you're in relationship with, your children, will you say, I am going to give more than I take. Every morning I get up, I'm thinking of my spouse, I'm thinking, I'm going to give more than I take. At the end of the day, I'm going to say, wow, did I give more than I took today? Why? Because I love God. Because God has loved me and I love God, I'm going to give more than I take today. God has changed me. The love of God has changed me. It's not anymore called God's love has changed me. Yes? Let's do this. And let's show the world this. Let's bring this out into our community. Let's get it out there. I don't think we can change our communities and change this world by just pushing a moral code on them. Morals do matter. And as you live out your life for God, your awareness of morals and your adherence to morals is going to and should increase, yes. But that's not how we're going to attract people to Jesus, I believe. Meaning by putting a moral code on them and saying this is what it is to know God. I don't think they'll process that. I don't think we can expect the unredeemed to behave in a redeemed way unless they've known the love of God and have loved God. Sometimes as a church, you know, we, we, we do this. Like I said, we... We give ourselves so much grace and we give the world so much grief. And yet they, they don't know about God's love. God loves them, but they don't know it. And God wants to use us to introduce them to it so that they would know the love of God, the law of love. Listen, that would inspire people to change. Now, I know some of you just, you, we're so accustomed to putting forward the moral stuff that you struggle when I say things like this. But I'm telling you, with all my heart, I feel it's biblical. Two, with all my heart, it's what I experienced. And it has lit me up as a human being and, and gave me what I believe and inspired me to give my life to serve others. And three, after seven years of a pastor, this is what I see that changes people. This is the culture we've created. It's the way I pastor. It's the way Christy pastors with me. The people who are closest to me, it's, it's the way we decide to pastor and we are seeing so many people coming to know Jesus, meaning so many people becoming aware of the love of God and turning to love God. Yesterday was an incredible day at Church City Church, maybe one of the top 10 days at the church. We're just in such a great place. It really is. We are always experiencing wonderful things, seeing things happening with people's lives. And aside from the, the spectrum of the day, you know, the men's breakfast and the prayer walk uh, and all that, but... Early at the men's breakfast, they had three people talk, three men talk. They all talked for about three minutes, and they shared. You know, each one of those men came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, came to know God and love God here within the last three years to God be the glory. How cool is that? Yeah? That's a big deal. In Massachusetts, that's huge. At any given moment, I can look around and I see these different people, men and women, who've come to Christ here. And it's because more than anything else, we lead by loving, right? We lead by loving. We shine our light by lead by loving. What did we, that's what we did at the GCAC, at the banquet. Went there, and I mean, we served. We don't, we don't give a volunteer banquet for our own volunteers. Don't tell anybody. But we did it for the GCC. We give more than we take. That's how the community knows us. We give more than we take. They know that God is changing us. They know things are going on within us. They know people have come in here, and, and, and after a while, they come out and they're different. 
We served at GCAC. The teenagers walked to send a handicapped man to a camp that he was so looking forward to. Yesterday, the prayer walk was incredible. We were in the fire station. Uh, we were at the police station. Uh, and, and they were engaging us and, and talking to us and, and, and playing with the kids. We were out there connecting to people, and people were stopping, and we, and we were praying with them. It was so wonderful just to be out there praying and loving and caring for this city. And we were just loving them. That's why they, they gave me this shirt. It's so cool that... that a professor from Liberty University calls us up. People find us. The Days Foundation was here last week again. They found us. They traveled around New England looking for churches to invest in. And they came back again and talked to us. And see, they were blown away. These men who travel around New England, a fund, a, a, a fund that comes in from the Days Inn Hotel, family left a huge amount of money for the sake of blessing churches. They connected to us two years ago, invested uh, $10,000, $12,000, they, they wanted to come back and meet me again. And now they came into the building and they walked in and they were like, wow. They said, Man, you did well. We are so glad that we invested in you. We are so, they're like, we just don't see this. We are so glad at what's happening in this place, what we're seeing, what you're telling us. They were blown away. And they're like, okay, just why don't you call us back and let us know maybe there's another way we could help you and what else we could do for you. Isn't that awesome? To see what God is. And all we're, we're, we're loving people. And to have a professor call us up from Liberty University. They say, you know what, we want to come with some students. And those students live around the country. And we're going to come here with you. And we're going to pray for your city. That's phenomenal. And they even made up these cool shirts. That's incredible. And that's what God is doing here. And why? Well, because we're just loving the city. We're loving one another. Why? Because God loved us, we loved him, and we're loving others, yes? All right, let's show them the love of God today. Our spouses, our children, our community, let us step up and show people the love of God, what he's done in us, that they would experience God's love. If you're in here today, and uh, when you came in, you, 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 you really... It was kind of a cliche to you or, you know, this God loves me, you know. Maybe you saw on a magnet somewhere on a bumper sticker. But, but now maybe today you're thinking, God loves me. I put it out when I meet people for the first time in here and I correspond in email. No, God loves you. Because I know that's what you need to hear more than anything else. I don't know you yet. Just connecting to you. No, God loves you. Today, no, God loves you. And that's you. You know, you know God loves me. And... You've been living out a life where you've been taking more than you've been given. That's, I did it for 28 years. And every now and then, Christy's got to slap me around and set me straight if I wander off a little bit, you know. Sometimes if it's just me and her, I'll take the biggest slice, okay. Because <laughs> she's so sweet. She just look at me and smile. Well, you know what? She's so awesome. She'll, she'll know it's what I'm thinking and she'll just give me the biggest piece. It's the truth. I have a precious wife. You're in here and, 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 and you're like, wow, I've been taking more than I've been giving. But today's a different day. You know, today's a day where now, you know what? I know God loves me and something is happening in me and now today I am going to love God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to care about something bigger and better than myself. I'm going to love God today. 
And I know now he's going to empower me and enable me to get out there courageously and love others. And if that's you today, Christy talked about a connection card. Uh, on one side of that card, it says, my next steps. And if you today know God loves you, and if you today have this desire in you to begin to love God, and if you today want to now follow Jesus, don't run ahead of yourself. Just know that from your loving of God, things will change. And they're going to change for the better and the greater. It's going to happen. And it's going to be better for you and all those who love you. You want to check that box off. I am starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, you know what? If you've been around this thing we call Christendom or Christianity for a while, you've dipped in, you've dipped out, and, and maybe what's happening is you were living it from a place of religion, not relationship, you know, from a place of just looking at moral codes and, and standards and traditions or, or what you had to do right or not do right, and, and you're putting that first and not really dwelling in the love of God and loving God, and that's religion. But maybe today you're like, whoa, I just, God loves me, and I want to love God. Forget about what I'm giving up. I just want to love God today. That's what I want to do today. I want to think about my bills. I don't want to think about my habit. I don't want to think about what's going on Monday. You know, right now, today, 12.06 p.m., June 24th, I want to love God. You check that box off. I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus.